All right. Hey, I want to welcome you to the Sacramento Charismatic. My name is Luke Garrity, and I am the host. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, uh, just the things that you need to know is that this podcast, basically, uh, we get to talk about whatever I want. Uh, but generally, it has to do with charismatic stuff, uh, sacramental theology, the Bible, things that Jeff Holsclaw is really unfamiliar with, but I keep having him on this show because eventually he will clue in. But uh, yeah, Jeff's on the show tonight, this evening, or if you're watching this in the morning, then this is the morning show for you. But Jeff, Dr. Holsclaw, Marquette University, PhD, brilliant theologian. But enough about him. We are really happy to have Rose Sweatman, Dr. Rose Sweatman uh, on this podcast too. So how are you two doing? I'm doing well. I like asking I like asking two people how they're doing at the same time because then it's super awkward because they don't know should I answer or should I, I know, not answer? Dude, you gotta you gotta run your, your show a little tighter. Call out someone's name. I'm not doing uh, good, man. You ruined my afternoon. You sent me this thing. I'm sure we'll get to it in a second, but you yeah. like chapped me. I, I blew I was your day up busy watching basketball and baseball and my team's won, and then you just brought me down. But hey, now we're fighting another battle in this. That's podcast. right. We're doing spiritual war. We're tearing down strongholds in this. We're podcast. doing that. Hey, for those of you who are tuning in on uh, Apple Podcast or Spotify or Google Music or whatever, uh, you really need to go to the YouTube uh, channel and check out the video for this because Jeff has probably the coolest shirt from the 70s I've ever seen in my <laughs> life and the biggest pair of headphones I've ever seen in my life. It's it's just like he's killing it. So I have a, you know, I have a turntable behind me. My Walkman is just off camera. It's huge though. It like, yeah, your shoulders. Yeah, I was box. just dancing. Yeah, my, yeah. Oh yeah, my, in my boombox, not my Walkman. I have a Walkman, but yeah. Um, yeah. and so there's this other person who is. I just believe that when Luke insults me, it's because he loves me the most. So that's how I roll. Uh, that's I do love you, but Rose, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I mean. It, that is such a relative term because from minute to minute, it's in, during this Changes. time. Like, here we are on the West Coast with the smoke and the fires. I haven't been outside in five days. Um, yeah. you know, and so uh, last night as I was eating a Snickers bar, I said to my husband, oh, my gosh, I'm eating a Snickers bar. We haven't done this since the first days of the COVID shutdown because that's what got me through were Snickers bars. And then I finally go, OK, this is too much giving it up, doing really well. And now five days into the fires and smoke and people that I love losing homes and other people mm. that I love being terrorized. Cause they don't know at a moment's notice, they might have to leave and lose their home. So anyway, that's how I'm doing. I mean, I'm really right now in this moment, I'm doing well and really happy to be with the two of you. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. Um, so here's the deal for those of you who are tuning in. The reason why we're doing this, this episode was because I happened to jump on Twitter. And surprisingly for me right now, Twitter is actually a safe space for me to do social media. I know that sounds crazy because a lot of people I know think Twitter is the worst, but I have curated a very good Twitter world. I have a lot of friends and theologians uh, on there. 
Uh, I can't go on Facebook much anymore. I don't know about the two of you, but I'm just avoiding that cesspool of craziness. But I went on Twitter and I saw that the prophet and, and maybe apostle, I'm not even sure. Maybe he's an apostle too. I'd have to look it up. But Rick Joyner put out or somebody put out a clip of Rick Joyner talking about a prophetic vision, dream, revelation. I don't know what we're going to call it. Uh, and it was quite, um, I'm going to say this. Uh, actually, I'll give each of you one word description for what you thought when you when you heard it and watched it. Jeff, one word. Upsetting. Upsetting. Okay. Rose? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. That was a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to use two words, though, because it's my podcast. Crazy train. Full-on <laughs> crazy train. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is nuts. I watched it a couple times, and then um, I text Jeff and ruined his basketball game enjoyment opportunity. Uh, Rose yep. had obviously – Rose had already seen it. She was probably in – she was mourning in uh, Seattle. And uh, so we thought we'd do this episode. So here's what we're going to do uh, for you who are listening or watching right now. We're going to play this clip. And then we want to talk about it because uh, there is some really troubling, upsetting, blasphemous. And I'm just going to, I think we could just say it's unbiblical. It's got really bad theological moorings attached to it. And I actually think that it, it is um, that Rick Joyner is not following what he himself and many of the people in his circles have taught concerning the gift of prophecy for a really long time. And so I think we should do the other part of prophecy, which is discerning, and we can do that through this podcast, and maybe that'll help our listeners be able to reach um, some conclusions that would, uh, you know, be a little bit more, I think, consistent with the teachings of Jesus and the kingdom of God. So here is the clip right here. We're in time for war. We need to recognize that. We need to mobilize. We need to get ready. Uh, I'm talking to law enforcement, talking to People, uh, one of the things I saw in a dream I had related to our Civil War was that militias would pop up like mushrooms, and it was God. These were good militias. What I also saw in my dream was the Lord had seeded our country with veterans from the Iraq War, Afghanistan, all these wars we've been in recently— Many who know how to fight in urban warfare are going to be a part of the leadership of these militias and help us in what's about to unfold in our own country. And these are going to be patriots. These are going to be those who are going to, they know what the tyranny of Marxism is, and they've seen its evidence and the cruelty of some other ideologies and all that is out there. And no, but they are going to be able to help give leadership to these militias that are popping up. And this was a God thing. He prepared us for this. All right. So Luke sent that to me, and maybe some of you heard that for the first time or saw it, or maybe you've already seen it. Uh, but it was really unsettling for me uh, because I had the, um, one is because I'm not that surprised by it, which is disheartening Two. um, I have what uh, there's too many things. 
<laughs> why it's why like, am I concerned? There's so many things you yeah. want to say. <laughs> well, the first thing I want to say is, well, why why do I care so much about this? When Rick Joyner says people on the left say all sorts of crazy things, say upsetting things. Um, mm. Why? And I get this quite a bit on Facebook, which you guys avoid. But why don't you call out those crazy people on the left who say those awful things? Um, but all you do is call out the right people. And so everybody assumes that I'm some progressive liberal who's not a conservative, who just you know loves Marxism, blah blah blah, as an anti-Trumper, all these types of things. And um, you voted which, for Hillary, which is which, yeah. And I'm you know pro you know pro-abortion or like they just make all sorts yeah. of assumptions. So why do I criticize the right? Well, I criticize the right because I view these as my people, as the people that elected this administration, and uh, and so I have a responsibility to talk to my people about what my people are doing. And so when mm -hmm. people say, well, you know, those far left people are going to like murder us, it's like, well, maybe, but uh, that person's not a pastor leading people that I know down a path that I don't think is Christ like. Now, they might be leading other people down a different path, but those aren't my people. And so that's mm -hmm. what, so that's why I talk about it. And that's why I'm upset by it. Um, and then, just the how prophecy works. I think I'm kind of newer. You, you two are like vineyard lifers. You've been in the prophecy movement, but I'm like newer. So I think I'm probably much more like, ah, that is not the way it's supposed to be done. I've come in to like really value. And I haven't been super wounded by like prophetic vision stuff. It's all been like real fresh, real life giving. So then to see it like done poorly and to lead people mm -hmm. down a path that I think is horrible, I get I get really upset. So that's the, those are all the energies that I'm bringing right now and a call to arms is just wrong that is of the antichrist that is not the kingdom of christ at all so we'll get to that but that's like it's really upsetting so i'm upset i'm amped up i'm on this podcast <laughs> yeah okay rose uh yeah what were you what are your first you know kind of impressions in watching that video um i actually couldn't believe it but then i could <laughs> because of the, some of the stuff that um, all these all these prophets, you know, from the charismatic circle, and I'm like Jeff, like I I'm charismatic. This is not particularly my tribe because you know I I'm in the vineyard, so we're not really aligned with that part of the charismatic movement, is to say. But many many of our vineyard pastors are. Mm -hmm. And vineyard people listen to the prophets, and and I just I find it so disturbing some of the ways that prophecy is coming on a national level that's so mixed with the politics of our day that mm. I mean I just lose my mind when I hear some of this stuff because it it to me it really is antichrist. It's mm -hmm. not the way that the gift of prophecy, the way I was brought up for the last. 40 years learning what it, what the gift of, you know, the prophetic revelatory gifts are for. And so I just find it very, very disturbing. As Jeff said, a call to arms from a Christian prophet. I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. Mm -hmm. yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, you know, I was thinking, so I, you, we're not going to talk about all the different positions on, um, you know, pacifism and, just war theory, but I was thinking in the case of the three of us, I'm pretty sure we all probably have a lot of nuance in our positions. And I'm, I'm sure we probably, um, we agree a lot more than we disagree, but I'm sure there's some differences. Uh, Jeff basically swims with the Anabaptist crowd. Um, that is and true. It, yeah, and, uh, we liked Anab Anabaptists, um, but I tend to, you know, 
probably be pretty close to that, but I still would hold to some some sense of a just war theory. Um, you know that there are times when you know uh, you have to stand against the Hitlers of the world or the bullies or whatever. But at any rate, um, what I think is really fascinating to me is how many Christian theologians and I guess really just theologically pretty solid people have been so quick to to decry this and say this is not. Christian. This is not biblical. And so let's talk about the biblical theology behind it. Like what's the what's the primary biblical theological reason that you would say, hey, a call to arms is not not uh, you know, in keeping with the teachings of Jesus? Because like, you know, the advocates for this position would always point to Luke 22, I think it's like 36, where Jesus himself says essentially, go buy a sword. And so Folks will use that verse. Uh, Rose, you don't have to raise your hand on this podcast. We value all women and <laughs> men equally. <laughs> I'm so used to like. <laughs> give me the give me the that give me the biblical theology. Well, just a couple of things. First of all, Jesus is our example. He was nonviolent. He could have. Hello. Oh, that's a cool feature we have here where when you're talking. I thought, I, I thought you both left. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is wonderful. I'm okay. so keeping this. I'm so keeping this on okay. the podcast. Keep it. Uh, keep it. It was good. Back to you. Back to you getting into your preachathon. Okay. Um, first of all, Jesus is our example. He could have, you know, raised armies against Rome and he did not. Rather, he is our self sacrificial example of what self-sacrificing love looks like. And he instructed us that if you're going to follow me, you have to pick up your cross. And so that is an instrument of death. That means we die to things. And concerning the Luke 22 text that Rick Joyner pulled completely out of context, if you went and read that in the context, it's the whole lead up to Jesus's final night, his so what he's talking about there is this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Like if you go and read it in its in its context, he's talking about a fulfillment of prophecy that he is going to die as a transgressor. It's from Isaiah 53, and I don't have that in front of me. But all that is is like that is totally lifted out of context to be used as justification for violence. And I just feel like that that is what Jesus said we're to love our enemies and pray for them, not go buy as many AK-47s as you can in case the person you want to be president is not our king. So anyway, that's that's my first thought on that. Gotcha. Okay. Jeff? Yeah, when I got to that part of the um, of the interview, I was just like, my mind was blowing. Um, and it's because, you know, I go back to like, how, and I think Luke, you're going to spend some time on this, but like, how do we receive like prophecies and how do we test and discern them to know if they're from God or if they're just from our, our minds or if they're just like attacks or something like that. And, um, and, and it, you know, we always test these things by God's word. And then we always understand God's word in its context and all these things. You know, I was taught from an early age, you want to be a workman approved, properly handling God's word, all these different types of things. And so when, when you read that, that section in, in context, um, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, he's somewhat cryptically let, 
let one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. And then his disciples are like, look, 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 we have two swords. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's enough. We have enough swords. And really, um, that should start keying you off. Like, no, two swords is not enough for self-protection against like a Roman legion or two swords is not enough for starting a civil war or a revolution. Right. So already those it's out of context. And then, um, about two hours later, you know, in Jesus's life, he's, you know, getting arrested, which is only 10 verses later in the gospel of Luke. And he says, while they were still speaking, a crowd came to him. This is Luke uh, 22, 47. Um, and Judah, you know, he says, Judas, you're going to be betray me with a kiss. And then it says, and when those who were around him saw uh, what was happening, they said, Lord, should we strike with the sword, right? The one that they had, mm -hmm. one of the two. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then uh, John's gospel tells us that that was actually Peter. And Jesus says, no more of this. And he touches his ear and he heals him. And so if you're going to take one word, right, we always have to test that by another word. And so that meaning of taking the sword, like it just totally falls apart. And so when Luke Joyner is basically saying, hey, Jesus told us to pick up swords. So it's, to go it's, buy Rick Joyner. Rick it's Rick Joyner. It's Rick Joyner. Not Luke Joyner. It's very Luke clear. Joyner. Sorry about that. Luke Gearty did <laughs> I, not say this. I was looking at the gospel of Luke there. So <laughs> when, when Rick, yeah, although no. so <laughs> I've um, said some crazy things, but that wasn't it. So that's one of the things as you know, as a teacher and as a preacher, that just frustrates me. It's like, mm -hmm. no, we're supposed to properly discern God's word, and that verse clearly does not mean what he's saying it means and it's justifying yeah. violence so that's just one of multiple things that gets me pretty angry and mm -hmm. you know makes me want to say like you call yourself a prophet but is it wrong mm -hmm. to say that you've strayed into false prophet territory I, yeah know, I, don't no, think I, think it's, yeah. I think we should it's not wrong you gotta call you're, it out you're not yeah properly... i think what's interesting too is i um i looked at uh, earlier today, I looked at every, I own probably, I actually probably own more commentaries on the gospel of Luke than all, uh, probably any other uh, book of the Bible, because it's just an awesome name. It's just an awesome name. So you have to buy them. <laughs> and what's fascinating is the debates that exist on that text are all about Greek syntax. There's no dispute about how um, the, the majority of New Testament scholars all basically essentially come to the point where they would say that Luke um, chastens this idea of going out and being violent and taking part in vengeance by Jesus' teaching about, uh, as you just said, you know, when, when Peter cut off the ear of, this, of the uh, soldier. And then also the church's nonviolent uh, response to the persecution they experienced in the book of Acts, which is also written by Luke. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think that's what was most troubling about the uh, clip is it seemed, and I, I, you know, I hope Rick, if he, if he just was having a really bad day and he had some bad food the night before and indigestion caused him to communicate so poorly, uh, but I heard him essentially encouraging the taking up of arms in a uh, militaristic way, um, you know, and I, I just was, um, yeah, which I think, again, is different than someone serving uh, in our military or serving in, um, uh, you know, a, a, a situation where they're, um, you know, I guess fighting for a country in some type of military conflict. I just, I was, I couldn't believe what he was saying, quite frankly. Well, and when, I think for me, it's different than even when Rick Joyner and others said, well, Trump is God's anointed. Now, I don't think that's true. I disagree with that. Um, 
but are, is there a clear biblical pattern that would seem to suggest uh, that that is incorrect, that it's, in, it's absolutely impossible that Trump could be God's anointed in some sort of miraculous way? No, there's not. So I don't need to call out Rick, not Luke Joyner, but Rick Joyner for that. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm pretty pretty certain that there is a clear biblical trajectory that says taking up arms um, is not the way of Jesus, and that a Christian preacher who would suggest that is clearly wrong based on the word of God that we've all been given. Um, and that can't yeah. be overturned by a dream or a word that I've received um, personally. And I That's do right. believe yeah. in dreams received perfectly. My own life has been directed by visions and dreams yes. and words that I've received. So I totally believe all that stuff. But when it, you know, but when it comes to something this important, which is called taking up arms and promoting violence and things like that, when the Bible has a trajectory. So, and there's Old Testament passages that I think I see a lot of people pointing to in these circles, you know, mm -hmm. well, you know, Israel defended themselves and uh, Nehemiah built a wall. It's like, it's like, okay, but if we have to go that far to find like a sliver, like Jesus and his way. Yeah, over we're going to ignore the, the Sermon yeah. on the Mount or... All well, the what teachers about, of Paul. What, I was going to Go say, ahead, what bro. about Paul and, um, you know, it, Rick Joyner in his statement, there's a quote here that says, we're in a time of war. We need to recognize that. We need to mobilize. We need to get ready. I'm like, okay. Ephesians 6, like, preach No, that's it. exactly right. We are, exactly. In, we are in a war, but the weapons yeah. are, our warfare are not semi-automatic rifles. They're prayer. Yeah. They're the gospel of peace. They're... I mean, mm -hmm. it's spelled out for us as followers of Jesus how we are to be in this war, whatever war he's talking about for whatever. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. this is absolutely anti the word of God. So it is anti-Christ. Absolutely. And and back to what you said, Rose, is the model of Jesus. Like he, um, and this is where I think some in those circles don't study the Bible enough right. or study the context of the Bible that is kind of like grab things out of it. But the context mm -hmm. of the Bible says that the word Messiah or Christ that Jesus, you know, eventually used for himself was in, was a commonly used word for people who are trying to start revolutions, who are trying yeah. to kick out Rome. And that's part of the reason why Jesus didn't use Christ or Messiah very much early on, because he didn't want to be associated with the violent overthrow of a government that you disagree with. Yeah, the zealots. Right? So, so Jesus yeah. had an option that Rick Joyner is suggesting, and he clearly rejected it by going a different way and taking the path of peace and suggesting that all of us would do that. And some would say, well, that was Jesus and he needed to die. So, And we don't really live that way. It's, well... Uh, all of his disciples didn't just turn around and start a revolution mm -hmm. after Jesus was gone. Like, yeah, and his invitation, his invitation is to take up the cross and follow him in his ways. I mean, that's that's so all on, of the, all of, when we read like Fox's books of, of martyrs, like all the early people that mm -hmm. like literally were martyred for their faith did not take up arms against Rome. You know what I mean? It's like, so here we are in you know the dawn of the 21st century and some prophet is now changing that Jesus nonviolent message to literally call for people of God to take up arms and cause an incitement for a revolution. Like, no, that's, it's yeah. wrong. Yeah. So, um, so on a biblical and a theological level, there's some very troubling things there, but I, I, so I think fascinating too is, um, you know, so using his um, his prophetic. So Rick Joyner is like really popular in charismatic Pentecostal circles. Um, 
you know, and I think, um, so for our listeners, myself, I'm a vineyard pastor. Jeff is a vineyard associate pastor. So I want to use that word associate. He hates the fact that I'm blowing that up right now. Uh, and Rose is a vineyard bishop, <laughs> regional leader bishop. And um, so we've all, you know, we we all have, I guess, I think a real strong commitment to a uh, charismatic, I guess, worldview um, and, you know, believe that uh, prophecy and healing and the gift of tongues and miraculous supernatural things are not only things that we read about in the Bible, but are relevant for today and are part of, uh, should be part of our, I guess, our, our um, practices in the local church. So we're not anti-profit and I'm even like, and I don't, you know, I know this is controversial, but I'm even, you know, I'm pro apostolic um, fivefold ministry. I just want to define those terms a little bit and not have self-described apostles telling us that they're apostles and not checking their um, authority under the word of God. But that's another podcast for another time. But I, I actually have found a lot of Rick Joyner's stuff in the past somewhat helpful. Um, in fact, there's a guy named Steve Thompson who is part of Morningstar or was part of Morningstar and did all of their teaching. And I think he, I don't know if he's on staff right now, but for a long time, he was like the guy who ran all of their prophecy stuff. And I used to use his textbook when I would do um, classes on prophecy all the time. And that's what I think was really troubling is, uh, and Jeff, you you kind of hinted at this earlier um, pre pre going live, we'll flesh this out a little bit. But what they talk about in these circles is there's basically three components to prophecy, um, the gift of prophecy. And they talk about how there's the initial revelation. That's the first thing. There has to be some sort of revelation. And so that can come as a dream. It can come as a vision, come as an impression. It can come as a still small voice. It might be a picture that someone sees with their uh, spiritual eye or third eye, or I don't know what the cool charismatic thing to do now is, but that's number one is the, the revelation. The second part is the interpretation. And that's basically like, okay, so what does that mean? And, uh, in, so the first is a revelation. Second is interpretation. The third step is the application. And, um, in that book, you can all prophesy. I mean, he goes to great lengths to talk about, how if you get any one of those three things wrong, then it messes up the whole the whole prophetic ministry in a sense. Um, and I just, before we went live, I double checked and looked at the book and I was just like, man, so what went wrong here? What went wrong, um, you know, with Rick Joyner having this vision um, or picture or dream? I, I, you know, he seemed, he kind of jumped all over the map as far as how it came to him, but I think it was a dream. Of he a, saw things of, a, of like a civil war that he's been having for several yeah. years. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's all those different kinds of things. Yeah. So what went wrong? And, and I guess, Hey, let's just flesh. Do you, do you also see that those are the three components to a healthy, uh, you know, prophecy ministry? Mm-hmm. Rose, tell us, yeah, tell us more. I, I think, um, you know, you get the revelation and then the discernment piece is done in community. I mean, that is done in community where you discern with people that you trust. And then, yeah, and then what is the application from that discernment? But the discernment is really key here because I don't doubt that he's maybe had these dreams, but I cannot with anything within me 
can agree with the interpretation of these dreams. Like maybe this was a warning from God that if they kept, you know, wanting a king, that civil war was going to happen. I mean, honestly, because it's not just Rick Joyner. There's a whole slew of charismatic prophets prophesying this stuff that, you know, I mean, I, I got a, a thing from, I won't even name them, but, a, you know, charismatic group. I got a thing, you know, a call, an urgent call to prayer because November 3rd will change the atmosphere over this nation and the pending darkness mm. is coming. And literally somebody sent me that prophecy and wanted to talk to me, like convince me. And I just had to say, wait, have you not turned on the news in the last mm -hmm. whatever? Like, it, you don't think darkness is here? Like, the mm -hmm. the planet is burning. There's violence in our streets. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Darkness is coming. Like, because I'm living yeah. in darkness. I, and I mean, I've been in church my whole life. And I think every four years, it's the same thing. Essentially, that if this is the most important election of all history, and if so and so gets elected, you know the kingdom of heaven's going to open wide. And if the other person's elected, it's going to be the end of the Christian nation as we know it, et cetera. And um, I think there's a lot of young people who are pretty um, uh, cynical about a lot of that stuff now. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, um, I especially probably actually it's probably mostly Gen Xers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think so I think young people make up some of those. Uh, other networks a lot, you know, and buy into that crap. But I mean, what do you think went wrong, Luke, when you think about those, the revelation, the discernment and the application, like or the interpretation, what do you think went wrong? Well, I, I mean, I was wondering if he just skipped a step, <laughs> but Jeff had an interesting thought about, yeah. about that. Um, not skipping a step, but actually the interpretation, Jeff fleshed that out. Well, I think, everything always has to be interpreted. Um, so there's no, every revelation of God is always being like digested by us in a certain way. Um, and so, so I had this, and I had this like really strong word about three years ago uh, that just like came out of nowhere and I rebuked it. I was convinced that that was not from God. It was like so crazy. And it was just like, it was like, crazy and then about a month later like all this stuff happened in my life i was like oh my gosh like that was guts and so i was interpreting it based on my grid of expectations of what my life was going to be like for the next two years and this was like a hard left turn that i thought it was like a temptation i thought it was a distraction i thought it was like this right because i was already interpreting my life according to a certain grid of what god was going to do in it and then uh, and so it it disallowed that being God's voice. But I think the opposite can happen. I think we can see something and it so fits in with what we want to be happening or what we're afraid of happening that then we're going to say that's God's voice. And so I'm interpreting one word and maybe that's just my own fears or maybe it's actually like, you know, a demonic word. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm attributing that to God because it already fits in with my grid. And so I think we can do those. So everything is always being interpreted. And that's why we started off by talking about, well, like our interpretive lens needs to be scripture and Jesus so that that's always our filter. And what I worry now, and I don't know if this is true for, for Rick, but I know it's true for, you know, a lot of people, you know, that, that run in my circles is we're watching the news so much we're talking to our friends so much. Our fear is so high about all sorts of things and we're not soaking in scripture and we're not soaking in the, the period that we're in, which is the, the, 
the victory of Christ empowered by the spirit is where we are. The old Testament is not where we are and whatever they might right. be doing. Right. So we have resurrection power living in us each and every day. The powers and principalities have been conquered. Right. So where's this victorious mm -hmm. living? Like, why is there so much fear and anxiety? So uh, and, and so I think all those in, all those things are interpreting whatever that might've been. Like I posted something leading up to this podcast and someone was like, well, like maybe there is going to be a civil war. Um, but that's just what's going to happen. That's not what God wants to happen. You know, right. and, may, and maybe those people were all right that um, Trump was going to get elected, but that's not necessarily God's will. Like that's just God letting people know what's, but we interpret it as, mm -hmm. as God's going to start this, you know, civil war. Uh, or Trump is God's anointed, and it's like ah, uh, the the anointing one oh, we already talked about, but the civil war, it's like God is not on the side of civil war. That's just that is I'm certain of that. And so to, there must be some sort of interpretive disconnect. So Luke, you can fill out what you think that interpretive disconnect is, but there's mm -hmm. there's something there that is allowing the message to get interpreted wrong, which happens. Yeah, I mean. I mean we're yeah, it does. Know, we're all been in complicated relationships, and I say one thing, and my wife thinks a different thing. It's like, oh, that was the opposite of you know. We've all preached sermons, and you're like, you got that out of a sermon. I don't know how you got that. Right? But, yeah, it happens. I mean, I, I just I really think that a lot of what we're seeing is, um, and I think part of this is actually not all bad too. Um, I know I've I've been pretty honest about what I see happening in the church, and people are. I think worried that it's like depressing. I'm like, no, I actually think that a lot of this is, it's like freeing in many ways because what we're seeing is a complete, uh, I mean, like there's, it's becoming more and more clear um, who is living by the standards of the kingdom of God and being shaped and formed by the teachings of Jesus versus people who are, I mean, you know, cultural Christians or who are buying into what um, Roger Olson calls either pop theology or folk theology. You know, they have all these things that are, that are out there that are um, causing people to think that this, that these type of uh, statements are not incompatible with the teachings of Jesus. And that's the part that I, I was, you know, I think most troubled by. Um, but I think there is definitely uh, an interesting thing there about the practical side of this, of this um of the prophecy side of things it's like if you if you actually followed the things that rick joiner and other people in this circle taught concerning prophecy you would actually reject their prophecy then right because they themselves i mean I'm, they set up this whole thing about how prophecy always conforms to the teachings of the bible um, the prophecy is is always something where it's discerned by um by a group of you know, some some of the more um, hyper Pentecostal will say it's discerned by apostles or discerned by prophets, but it's always discerned by somebody outside of just that one person. And so, just based off of the fact that I've I've read, heard, seen Rick Joyner teach things that would actually undermine this prophecy is really what's kind of like drive me a little crazy. It's like how are how are you getting there, buddy? Because you know you don't you actually don't believe this, which I think gets to what you're saying, Jeff, is how. There's such a um, there's such a slant in the way that we're I think perceiving the world right now, and and we all have as you said interpretive lenses, but our we're just we're so um, highly anxious and highly angry and highly frustrated and all these different things, and so those emotions I think are definitely um, hindering and in, in influencing the way that we 
are interacting right now and, and responding to things, you know? So I, yeah, think there's another, I think there's another piece of this <clears throat> that we have to touch on in is the, the confluence of nationalism with religion. I think that that has what has put this thing over the top. Like Luke, what yeah. you've said is like, okay, this is bringing out some things that we've all sort of talked about of this, you know, concerns mm -hmm. around the way that gifts are used and especially prophecy and the abuse of it and blah, all of that. But this thing is just like the, the prophetic things that I'm getting from people is so wrapped up in nationalism. Like that to me is what is astounding. Like the yeah. lack of discernment around that is- Well, yeah, I mean like, we'll just take out the word Israel and put the word America. Like, <laughs> no. And this is where I think any theologian worth their weight in any yes. sense is gonna say, hey, there's abs absolutely continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's absolutely continuity between what God has done with nations, but there's also a lot of discontinuity between the way that God interacted with a unique people um, in ancient Israel and a country that's been around for just over 200 years. <laughs> like like there's, a, there's some pretty big differences there. And then I think what really is frustrating to me about that as you're, as you're kind of fleshing out is just how it's so, um, and leave it to us as Americans to do this because we're so self-focused anyway. I mean, it's just part of it. These are our, these are our cultural strongholds. I, I, yes. I would say, you know, but it's like, you know, we're the only country that really is doing it God's way. And, you know, we're the country that's really representing God's kingdom adequately. And I mean, I've traveled a lot around the world and I know you, you all have too. And I mean, there's things that I love about the U.S. Uh, I mean, I love, like I would, I would say they are way better here than they're in other places. But there's a lot of things about our, our country that are not as great, um, you know, and that are major problematic. And that, I think that not nationalism is definitely preventing people from being able to self-reflect, self um, discern, and to also see that we need to maybe like spend more time in prayer and, and um, less time you know, calling people to pick up guns and go join civil militias to take back the government. Like, I don't know about that. You know, part, I just want to say one thing about that too, is in uh, Rick Joyner's clip and in the printout of his interview there, he talked about how a new civil war is necessary from heaven's perspective because the revolutionary war and the civil war did not fully accomplish their goals, which, okay, again, like that is just, I cannot wrap my brain around it, but here we are. But what I would say by the, to that is, so Martin Luther King Jr., like up until this recent sort of racial tension and explosion that's happened in our streets, I can tell you how many people that would say to me, like I would have marched with Martin Luther King Jr. Like mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, like what's happening now would tell you how, if you would have really marched with him or not, because the truth is, he and John Lewis, that was all about nonviolent yeah. revolution. It, I mean, that was their thing. Like, if you cannot hate a person because then you become what they are. So we will, I mean, like they practiced real Christianity around this thing, right? Yeah. So he's calling for like, we got to finish off what the civil rights movement and the civil war didn't do. Like, 
I'm going to just say that is demonic, Luke. I just, mm-hmm. I don't care what, and that is, that comes from the pit of hell. That does not come from the throne of grace. So I'm sensing that your discernment is that this is not an accurate prophetic word. Is that what I was hearing? Completely, uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I think it's demonic. Okay. All right. Well, I think what's so, happening in this moment is our idols are being exposed and the idol yes. of nationalism and greed and individualism is it's all being exposed right now. And it's pretty, yeah. I, I do wonder too. Um, and I'm just going to pretend I'm a pastor right now. Um, I do wonder if some of that too, cause I, I definitely see that's true. I, I think that that's, you know, that there's some massive idols being exposed. I mean, you and I have talked about that. I've been saying that for, I've been thinking that for like the last 12, 15, 16 years of pastoral ministry. But um, I also wonder how much of this is really just, you know, it's like there's this, there's a meeting of all these different things coming together right now. And a lot of it is just a lot of uh, anxiety and fear, which those, those feelings have a way of working themselves out in different ways, right? Like so everybody handles anxiety differently and because I mean some of the people who are buying into this stuff are, are normal are pretty reasonable and I don't think actually hate people and want to go kill them I like I don't I refuse to believe that it's like they're just so caught up in the emotion of the world right now that they're like not being as as discerning or not being as thoughtful in regard to like maybe Jesus's kingdom has something to say about the way that we would um, engage on this topic. Well, that's uh, exactly what I was thinking, that um, I totally agree that like our idols are being exposed, but we only go to idols because we're seeking, we're afraid that we don't have the power or the or the stability or the safety that we long for. And so it's actually just a way to manage our anxieties. So, and, that, yeah. and that's always been my frustration is I'm not a left-leaning person at all. Uh, but I get frustrated with my really conservative friends who wouldn't criticize Trump for anything, even behavior. They just write it off. They, I mm-hmm. say, no, we as Christians should be able to say what is good and what is wrong, like, and not yeah. feel bad about that. And so, what, whether it's Trump or whether it's America, like, we could say what's good and we can say what's bad. Why is it so hard to do both? And I feel the same way with my friends, you know, on the left who think everything about America has always been wrong forever and they can't find one. And it's like, no, that, yeah. that's not right either. Like, that's like, yeah. we, we can do both. So we should be able to discern that. And I think, uh, I even think that's true with like someone like Rick Joyner and I'm, and I'm saying his name and I think we are. And I like, I think it's okay to criticize a prominent apostle and prophet when they do something wrong like we don't have to be all in or all against we can say hey no they you know like i was thinking like um like saul king saul in the old testament he started off on the right path like he you know was anointed by god he was in the troop of prophets and he got caught up in ecstatic prophecy you know and he was doing god's will but then there was a change and he lost the anointing and he lost the path he actually lost the the mission of God's kingdom in the world and kind of took on a different mission, a different kingdom, you know, and, and Peter, you know, he fluctuated back and forth, you know, he was the first one to call Jesus Messiah. Then the next sentence was, Hey, Jesus, you're not going to die. And then Jesus had to be like, Hey, get behind me, Satan. Right. So like he gets it right and it gets it wrong in about 10 minutes. Um, Mm. And, you know, and even Peter himself, you know, he ended up denying Jesus. Right. And so like, I think it's okay to say, Hey, Rick, you probably did bless a lot of people and a lot of people learn from your ministry and, yes. you know, X, Y, and Z. And 
you know, something happened and you're wrong and you're wrong now, or, you know, and we yeah. should be able to say that because, um, but I think we get so caught up in what you were saying, Luke, the fear, uh, that we just like, no, 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 we can't like, mm-hmm. we can't do that. And the other thing is kind of the brain science thing is like, I think culturally we've all just flipped our lid. Like the, you know, the idea is like your fist is your brain. And when you get stressed out, you <laughs> flip your lid. Uh, and yeah. it, it literally means like you're, I'm, I'm using, you know, my hand for those of you on the podcast, but it literally means you stop using your frontal lobe. So like logical thinking, calm, rational, like seeking to like the process of discernment that we're talking about mm-hmm. is literally not happening for millions and millions of Christians who are just responding and they're just grabbing onto words of prophecy. That's going to bring them comfort, but it doesn't bring them comfort. It actually makes them more anxious. But if I share it with more people, somehow we can all be anxious together and that'll be better. It's like, no, like the way of Jesus should bring peace. The way of Jesus should bring gratitude and thankfulness. And we should just rest in the, like, I I get in a lot of trouble because I say, hey, the dominant emotion that we see in the New Testament is joy. And they had Mm -hmm. bad lives back then. Like they had our normal American, like they had bad lives. They're going through some bad stuff. And yet Paul's saying, Hey, rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, by the way, I wrote that when I was in prison and prison sucked. Mm -hmm. well. Right. Rejoice in the Mm -hmm. Lord always. So I I just think there's a lot there. And that's where I think, and I, I, you guys know better than me, but I think the modern prophetic movement has aired because if words of prophecy aren't leading to hope, joy, and peace, then they're not Mm -hmm. God's words. You've only done half the process. And if you can't like, you know, you're not a prophet because you're listening to the mm-hmm. news and you're telling everybody that everything's going bad. Like, yeah, <laughs> just the sin nature. I think, yeah, I think that'd be a good um, topic for us to talk about in the future sometime about, you know, because there's a lot of debate about whether there are um, prophets in the New Testament who function in the same way as the Old Testament prophets, you know, prophesying the nations and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> you know, because I've heard it said by, I think, the Rick Joyner crowd especially in fact all the you know the international house of prayer bethel morning star that crowd tends to take the perspective that there are modern day prophets who are actually prophesying to the nations um so you know they would say well you can actually do some like doom and gloom type of stuff as long as it's to corporate groups and not to people um but i i think um probably what we would hope for anybody who's listening to this podcast is that what we're all saying is that because of the teachings of scripture, we should reject this specific prophecy as a um, encouragement for us to take up arms and go kill people because we have disagreements with their politics. Like, can we all just agree? Can we, can we all denounce that? Yes. And the fact that we even have to say that just shows you how off the rails But we're we're actually, you know, just looking at scripture, um, you know, again, I want to point this out. So Rick Joyner's own teaching affirms what I'm about to say. And I don't even care if he didn't affirm what I'm about to say, because this is from the Bible. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 29, let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. And so there's an encouragement for discernment. But even more so, because I think I, I would join you rose and saying what he said is evil i think it is demonic it is it is like if you talk to anybody who's ever been in war or if you study any of history on war war is everybody even the people who agreed that we should go to war will tell you that war war is terrible i mean it's like the worst thing you know um but paul says also in first thessalonians 5 do not stifle the holy spirit do not scoff at prophecies and by the way um, when we hear crazy stuff like this, this is when I always can 
connect with what Paul's getting at there, because this makes me want to become a cessationist almost. But he says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. And that is, I think, our our encouragement. But here's my um, question, and maybe more a comment, but I'm I'm like really surprised at how many times things like this happen and very few leading charismatic Pentecostal voices step up to say, hey, listen, uh, that is out of bounds or that is um, that's a problem. I mean, not just about crazy cultural prophecies like this, but even when things are clearly like outside the realm of orthodoxy. You know, I mean, there's, there's, um, I mean, I can think back to the, to the, uh, the last couple of revivals that have happened where there were really well-known preachers that, that would say things that were outside of the bounds of, of creedal Christianity, like basic foundational Christian things. And and it seems like there's a hesitancy for, for, um, for those of us, and I'm going to say us in the Pentecostal, uh, charismatic world to step up and say, Hey, you know, let, let's pop, slow down. Let's let's have a conversation about that because that's actually really troubling. And my theory on that, and I'd love to hear your two um, theories on this, but I think number one, I always see that as just an indication that our movement is so anti-intellectual and so opposed to theology. It's like those are theology will just ruin the work of the spirit, and theology is what you do if you don't want to have a thriving, um, charismatic experience. That's number one. And number two, I think this whole, um, honor culture stuff that is really becoming influential in, in our circles is causing, um, Pentecostals and charismatics to be, um, unable to, because they're afraid to speak out against things that are problematic because they don't want to be dishonoring. What else? Or do those two things, do you, do you, identify with those and you want to comment on them. What do you think? Over to you, Rose. Okay. I'll do it. Um, yeah. (laughs) Jeff's Jeff's the kind of guy, Rose, that's going to be like, uh, Rose. So I'll take this one. (laughs) She was pointing at me. I I, I want him to go first. (laughs) Um, along with what you said, I think there is, and you guys know better than I do. So I'm just like thinking through this. I think there's like an impartation kind of culture too, where it's like, well, you know, which is the whole laying on a hands to receive a greater measure. And so like people um, on these higher kind of levels have kind of gone to the different conferences and they've gotten a receiving of an anointing from so-and-so. And so there's like, well, who am I to speak against them? Because I asked them to lay their hands on me. And that's when my ministry and XYZ took off and all this, right? So there's this kind of this like, hmm. um, you know, an impartation kind of language, you know, and then the more skeptical would be like, oh, this is just mutual back scratching, right? And so we don't talk bad about each other, um, which I think, you know, is part of it too, right? Because it can be both. I believe that you can have a very sin- sinful uh, process uh, mixed in with the Holy Spirit and God's anointing, right? Those two things are mutually exclusive. So mm-hmm. um, so I think I think those are some of the things too in the the idea of honor culture kind of fits in with that. You're not supposed to speak against God anointed. Otherwise you're blocking God's blessing to you. So I don't, you know, maybe they're out to lunch, but maybe they're not. And I don't just want to take, so I don't know. It's just, uh, it's not good. The thing that gets me so frustrated. 
and then it's I'll let Rick talk. It's just not good. It's just not good. It makes, yeah, just say, I think that's it. It's just not good. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Oh, I forgot. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, we're sorry. Oh, no. Kind of. Kind of. Um, I'm not. I thought we got a good quotable there. Kind of. <laughs> no. What did we learn from this podcast? It's not good. It's it's, it's just not, not good. good. I really yeah. think that's the bottom line. Um, yeah. What do you think, good. Rose? Yeah, I think you hit on it. I, I don't, there could be other reasons why. Um, I do think that there is a sort of um, this unspoken rule that you should not speak out against a public ministry. I mean, yeah, I won't get into what happened in Seattle a few years ago because, you know, people were speaking out about the abuse of this large megachurch pastor and people were like, you should never criticize a pastor. Mark Driscoll. <laughs> Mark Driscoll. <laughs> but that, Excuse um, me, I have a cough. That honor culture, culture of honor, whatever they call it. I mean, to me, that really, like if you grew up in a dysfunctional family that has a no talk rule, that's mm -hmm. kind of what you're doing. You're you're not being honest. Like, yeah. I don't see any honor in not being honest, especially with somebody with this kind of influence that can literally incite violence. That, that to me makes people complicit not to speak out against it and say, wait, no, this is wrong. This is not the way of Jesus. And so, um, you know, telling the truth in love is more important than what they call honor to me is actually disrespectful because you're, you're not being honest. So how mm -hmm. can that be honor? Mm -hmm. And I, like something like that, with the honor culture, the Danny Silk, and so I don't know if you have the book there. You want to flash it up there, Luke? Um, no, that's not. But those, the, those are the types of things where I feel like um, when people are mature and um, came from like really like high functioning family backgrounds, it probably works fine and is probably really helpful. Uh, but too often you get the one or two immature people who just take advantage of the situation, somehow get onto the top and just like, like ruin the whole thing. And that's where I think the much more robust practices of confession and repentance yes. of, um, of checking your sins of, of, of testing. So, you know, this is where, you know, I know the Anabaptist practice of, of testing, you know, like the churches I've been a part of, we took, you know, Matthew 18 seriously, like, Hey, I know we have a disagreement, but, have I sinned against you? And if I have, you you have to tell me that it's sin. And if you can't come to the level of saying it's sin, then you kind of need to get over. It. Like we took that seriously. Like let's, because I, you know, I have sin that I don't know about that only you know about because you deal with me and you need to tell me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'll never know about it. Right. That's right. Uh, um, but so often it doesn't seem like those things are are happening. Um, it seems on the higher up, you know. But the higher up you get, you get the bigger platform, and that's why we're talking about. Rick Joiners because he's on right. the big platform, right? So, right. but he's probably not getting the testing and challenging in his life. And this isn't just a Pentecostal charismatic thing, like you know, like Protestant liberal churches. You know, they have their own scandals that they're wiping Catholic. Like everybody, mm -hmm. everybody does this. So I, I know yeah. some people be like, "Oh, it's just the honor culture where they don't call out the." It's like, oh, please, everyone does this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it just manifests itself in different ways, but but it also does have different theological frameworks that empower it to function. Yeah. I right. mean, that's the, cause I, I mean, obviously like I, you know, we we're joking about this book by Danny Suck because I'm working on writing a review of it. And there's so much in the book that I find really helpful. I think that the idea of honoring people is really good. I think that we should yeah. 
Um, you know, Paul talks about whatever, whatever is honorable and lovely and pure. And I mean, I think being positive is a very good thing, but I, I'm afraid that taken to its extreme without the other side of the coin being that you are honoring people by being truthful. Um, this, this type of theology could be a perfect place for a sexual, um, you know, assault to take place and no one to ever talk about it. No, um, there's a lot of, a lot of really concerning things about the, you know, the downstream effects. And I think that's what we theologians do, right? We, we think about, okay, the implications of what you're saying here downstream, this is what could happen if you're not, um, careful to nuance these things. And that's probably what our main concerns about, um, about what Rick Joyner is saying, uh, is causing us to be, you know, right. we need to, we need to, we need to say something. Right. So, can I just say one more thing about why this is very concerning to me, Luke, just, just mm -hmm. a little thing yeah. I want to throw in because, um, 10 years ago, I led a doctoral course in Rwanda to study reconciliation in post-genocide Rwanda. This is why it is super concerning to me, this call to arms, this inciting of violence mm. and calling, because what we have watched play out over the last few years is so much dehumanization of the other, mm -hmm. name calling, dehuman, and, and it's constant. And this is exactly the lead up that Rwanda was 94% Christian nation mm -hmm. when that genocide happened. So if you know how we talk about like, we never want to say like, um, like I'm not going to judge someone about their sin because that could be me. Now that's different than calling people out and, and, and ask, you know, making um, notice of the sin and like what we're doing tonight, because if you don't do that, like my, my, this is so distressing to me because I'm watching the pattern happen in our media and like, like all the different sectors of society are just yeah. immersed in this sort of thing. And it's, it's really quite frightening if we think it can happen here. Yeah. I mean, that's, isn't that the story of every massive, terrible thing? It's, I mean, you look at Nazi Germany and the way that, that um, Germany, you know, especially Hitler, went about dehumanizing Jewish people with the cartoons yeah. that they did. And, the you know, I mean, I, that's always what concerns me a lot, too, is um, especially with the divide between conservatives and, and uh, progressives is uh, because I find myself like, I, you know, I, I guess if I had to nail myself down, I'm like center right. You know, I used to have no problem with saying I'm a Republican because I I am ish. But now it's it's like, ah, there's some things about the Republican platform that I'm really struggling with. And the tone and the rhetoric of of our president, you know, while I want to honor him and I pray for him and I, I I don't think that every single thing he's done has been bad. There's a lot of things that I find really troubling. Um, and so it's like the the so I guess I find myself more in the middle, kind of like, huh, this is interesting. And um, and just the way that the two opposing the extreme right, extreme left is essentially who I'm mostly talking about. The way they just demonize each other and, yes. and um, dehumanize each other yes. and are constantly not listening to each other is really, um, is really not at all surprising because they're basically the same exact thing. And I would just say that is um, the what is different about this election cycle than what I've ever experienced in the past, Luke, is because mm -hmm. every election cycle is horrible, but this one is so polarized and so yeah. um, like I, it, it, and because 
it used to be like, you know, maybe you didn't like the Republican um, candidate or the Democrat, but you could see good things in both. And like, you know, mm -hmm. we used to have like, what's his name, Mary Madeline and uh, the other guy, what's his name? The, the, they, a Republican woman and uh, the Democratic socialist, or not socialist, do you know what I'm saying? Mary Madeline, what's his name? I'm not old enough to remember. Carville, James Carville, <laughs> like you should look at that story. But it used to be that you could like just be on different sides, but it wasn't like so mean mm -hmm. and evil and and like this has got this polarization has taken it to a level that I've never seen before, and that's why this call for arms and inciting people is frightening to me because I think it could happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then the question is who who's going to bear responsibility before that before God on that. I That's talked to a pastor in our region this past week um, that was really, really upset about what's going on because, and this person, like you say, you would say you're center right. I would say that this person is center and even a little farther right, like halfway right, but not alt right. Um, <laughs> and he was, um, he was very upset because hmm. he, he told me that even if he tries to just say what is happening, this polarization is wrong, our allegiance is to the kingdom of God, and, um, and people in his church got mad at him. But he said what's even more disturbing is reading posts on Facebook from some of his friends that are literally saying, we've got to take up arms, make sure you have ammunition, make sure you have AR, whatever they are. And he's like, that is so concerning to me. Like, I want to, I've said to them, are you, are you telling me that you are going to kill people if the election doesn't turn out the way you think it should? Like, this is frightening. Hmm. Yeah, I bought a new pistol recently, but it's just because I have three daughters and two of them are in high school now. So <laughs> where does that fit? Uh, in the <laughs> better for boyfriends than pistols. yeah <laughs> yeah where does that fit on the grid though well uh, I, no i i, I, I topic yeah that's that's a good one no i i think that that's really um why this is yeah it's tragic i mean it's it, these are people who are you know who are just i mean obviously dealing with a lot of different fears and anger and frustrations and but they i think that's why and like this would absolutely give them the green light like rick joiner is telling us yeah. you should take up arms and start killing people yeah yeah well that's why it was so uh, disheartening and distressing for me um yeah and because and why um my heart through this election cycle and for a long time has just been uh in the midst of all the polarization, can the church witness to something else, to a deeper unity, to a shared humanity, and to hear, you know, another prophet or a pastor, you know, just basically say, no, forget all that. <laughs> Take up your arms was just uh, too much. Jeff, can I ask you something? Sure. Um, like um, you said about the church having deeper unity. And so I can almost hear people saying, then why are you guys on here? Like, talking about Rick Joyner, like, isn't this divisive? Which I think we've already addressed, but it's important. I think I want you just to say again, why that we think this is important to have this conversation. Well, I think, uh, you know, like in the, in the, 
the the essentials we want to have unity and then the differences you know charity and those types of things um and I, I you know i do get that pushback sometimes like well aren't you just bashing like you know um you know another minister and we should we should take like the high road and these types of things um and the frustrating thing with social media is I could not say something about so many different things, but then the one time I do say something that's like, Oh, you're just a hater. It's like, no, I overlooked mm -hmm. 25 million different things. And the one thing I was just like, I just can't remain silent on this. Cause I think it's so destructive to the church, you know? And, I, and so, um, it's so, so for me, I just think this is such a deep violation of the way of Christ that you do need to kind of name it, you know? And if mm -hmm. they're, and if there is a sep or pruning, you know, I was going to say separation, but you know, there needs to be a pruning. Like if you really believe that taking up arms is the way of Christ, um, you know, when you're not physically in danger in the moment and you just want to protect your country, then that's not the way of Christ. And I will, and I will tell you to your face that you're not a Christian. You're not following the way of Christ. Like that, that's a division. Like that's okay. That's okay to do. You can to draw say, that line and be yeah. okay with it. Okay, that's but, good. But for someone to say, well, I believe that Trump says God is anointed and Trump has done a lot of good for the, okay, well, we can disagree about all those things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut fellowship with you on, on any of those oh. things. We can build unity on all those types of things. You know, I really, I believe abortion is wrong. Do I think that should determine my vote on a presidential election? Maybe, maybe not. Right. If you think that does, then we can disagree with that. But that's not like I'm not breaking fellowship with you. Um, and and so like like the question, but I, it seems like people break fellowship all the time for anything. Oh, well, we just disagree about, you know, about what so-and-so said or about what so-and-so did or or the fact that you don't mm -hmm. say that you're pro that you're anti-abortion enough on social media means that you must be pro-abortion. You're just secretly about it. And so we're just going to break. It's like, you know, well, I'd like to like, just step in here and say that one of the things that I've loved about the last six months of ministry is that we have had people leave our church because we observed the closed down, the closed, um, you know, lockdown. And then we had people leave because we didn't, observe it fully. We met outside and then we had people leave because we were talking about potentially having people wear masks. And then we had people mad that we didn't require masks in our outdoor services. And then we had people leave because we did require masks on the indoor. And, you know, it's crazy because at the end of the day, it is like, you cannot please everybody. And if you are called to be a leader, you should just quit <laughs> if you cannot be okay with that. And some of the reasons are so stupid, though. I mean, I'm like, oh, so you're mad at everybody having to wear a mask, but you wear a seatbelt. Cool. Cool. Real, real consistent. And you wear shoes into a restaurant because they say if no shoes, no service. I am oh, really yeah. upset that the government tells me where to put my sewage, that I actually have to put it in preordained pipes. Yes. And I can't yep. just put it anywhere on my property. Like that is yeah. that is really hindering my style. So I know. Well, that's I'm, what I'm saying. I, it's just I, the inconsistency I, is crazy. Shampoo on the plane. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we've kind of clarified why um, Rick Joyner's vision is hopefully not something that anybody takes as being an indication of what Jesus would want us to do. And that a better way forward would be to be praying a lot yes. and to be asking for God to intercede and for, um, you know, for the church to actually model what uh, the fruit of the spirit is, because I think that would actually make a far greater impact on the world rather than a bunch of people picking up 
guns and going and shooting people they don't agree with. Like, I think that's bad. I think, I think the Bible think says it's, it's bad. I think it's really bad. I think it's bad. Can I just uh, end on one, one last thing? The difference between a mature Christian and an older Christian is we've had, uh, and I don't know if this is true in your communities, uh, people saying, well, like all these mature Christians are sharing these types of things and they're concerned about this conspiracy and all these mature Christians that I trust. And I just want to say just because they're older doesn't necessarily make them mature because the maturity, yeah. the maturity of Christ should exhibit the fruit of the spirit and yeah. you know, love, joy, and peace are the first three for a reason. So if the things they're sharing and the, their manner of sharing them and their presence that they bring into your community, either like virtually or in present, if they're not bringing joy, love, and peace regularly, then they're not mature Christians. Maybe they were mature Christians, but for some reason they've like, and so yeah. I just, I just want to put out there, like, just because, you know, a younger person is looking up to so-and-so and they're like, Oh, I need, and it's like, no, if they're, if that's not the fruit, right? Their, yeah. their maturity is, you know, for whatever reason, you know? So yeah, that might sound harsh, but I think that's part of it too, is, is the people we think are mature. You know, maybe yeah. Aren't, so, aren't as I mean, that's basically, I think what we would all really want to encourage people to do is to get back to, um, you know, looking to scripture, looking to Jesus, looking to the kingdom as the way to, to move forward. Um, you know, and so I think that's probably um, a good note for us to end on. Um, Rose, any last thoughts for us, um, you know, in the, the coming days, uh, coming weeks as we get into the craziness of the next, the next uh, season. I think that my thoughts, and this is for me personally, even is try to really limit social media right now and also limit where I get my news and spend a lot of time with Jesus. Because I, I do think we have to be spending time with Jesus and ground ourselves deeply into the love of God in order to be the person that brings love and joy and peace into the spaces that we come. So mm. that's what I think. I think social media is just a dumpster fire right now in so mm. many ways. And and so is the me and so is the news. Like yeah. So yeah. That's well, thank you myself. So yeah. No, that's good. I I'm I'm joining you. Uh, thank you, Jeff Rose, for being a part of uh, the podcast. Um, Jeff is becoming apparently a regular. He just keeps, he's taken over this podcast a couple times. And uh, <laughs> if you are new to the podcast, please like, subscribe, follow, all that, all that type of stuff. And check out the last episode because Jeff shared some thoughts on why some atheist arguments are not very well and then a bunch of atheists got on the comments of youtube and took him to task and i don't believe he has i don't believe he has answered them yet so that might be well, fun i'm to trying read. to stay off of social media like rose said so oh okay I didn't even notice <laughs> what a what a great way to avoid it so all right well thank you for listening everybody we'll check you later Woo!